0: And today, I retire from pro football.
1: Probably when I retire, when that eventually happens one day, I'll be able to sit back and say, you know what? Pretty proud. What can I say? Mamba out. And that is going to
0: be it for Derek Jeter. The What's Next Podcast, where every hour is happy hour. Welcome to the What's Next Podcast. Whether you're about to tee off on the golf course, sitting on the beach, or napping on the couch, anywhere but the office, this podcast is for you. If you're still working, turn this podcast off right away, unless, of course, you're pondering retirement or a sabbatical. Ken, Happy New Year. How are we doing?
1: Happy New Year to you, Jason. Doing great. You know, probably the question I get—well, I want to say the question I get asked most, but a question that I get asked often is about retiring overseas— I also see a lot of times on the um, on the Facebook groups that I'm a member of about retirement. It's just a very popular question that people ask. Everyone's curious. Where to live in retirement?
0: Yeah, yeah. where to live in retirement? That's the big question. Where to
1: live, but also specifically if they want to go out of the country. So um, to me, it's a pretty adventurous thing to do. It's not something I ever considered, but a lot of people obviously consider it. And we are fortunate enough to have someone that we know. His name is Don Coop. You're about to meet him in a second. But Don has actually done it. So Don's going to share. He's made his it his all
0: just here. happen, yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: but first, Jason, before we jump into all that, what time is it?
0: It's happy hour, because every hour is happy hour.
1: That is right. So Don, welcome, Don. It's good to see you. It's been a long time. Tell us about this, uh, first of all, Portuguese wines. What's uh, What's the big deal?
2: Well, I think um, uh, well, thanks for having me. First of all, but I think the um, from being in the U.S. first and starting to see and hear about Portuguese wine and going through a few tastings, I think to Americans, like you can cruise Costco or your some of your, the wine shops, you'll find it is uh, the price and the quality. So the the price kind of really leads a lot of the discussions, and we like to say it's inexpensive. Don't use the word cheap; it uh, has <laughs> a different connotation. Right. But things like wine are pretty labor—it's labor, right? The big cost is labor, you know, glass. But the cost of living in a lot of countries is pretty low, so the labor is low. Uh, and there's a ton. Of it, I remember landing, coming into Lisbon Airport. like this is that's the capital, major city. There's hills. The wheels are down. We're that far down. We're like the runway is right in front of us. And I look out the window, and there's wine growing on like any hill. Like they they'll take I didn't any realize day. it's that. so the volumes. For Portugal, the volume's high, like we can't compete volume wise with uh, right. Spain and France, but it's up there, so the price is low, quality's good, and they've been doing it since before Julius Caesar did his first uh, trip abroad uh, when he came to to Portugal um, when you get here it's still the price is lower because there's no taxes and duties and import, and the quality is it's just amazing. Like some people say, they go to the grocery store, two euro bottle of wine, wow. and it, it, nice. it's pretty good. Uh, and
0: I, John, it, I always think, obviously, for those of us who are a little into wine, you think of Portugal. Your first thought is port, but yeah. there's other. Like, what else would would you say? Are they more reds or whites, or it's a mixture? What What's the story there?
2: I think it's a mixture. They're they're <laughs> known obviously for port, uh, and but now they're in, in that same region. They're taking that same grape and just skip the port part, just make good wine. And so okay. the Duro Valley wines up there, it's predominantly one variety, uh, Tariga National. That's what they make port out of it. And it's kind of related to Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a big fruity wine, uh pretty smooth, but you're gonna you probably need a steak or something like that with it.
0: I have no problem with that, Don. I'm all yeah. about the red meat. So that that it sounds so like my kind the, of place.
2: That's the big one. And through all the regions, they, they lead with the Reds and the locals will drink red wine with fish, which is an American is like what Right. That, but they grill the fish. So when they, you say they grill it, okay, I can kind of get that. The sure. whites are kind of under the radar. And in the region I'm in, there's seven DOCs. I'm in the Lisbon, Lisboa region. The whites, some of the whites here are, I've had friends that sell wine for their business. They come and visit, and they go, oh my God, these whites are out of this world. Uh, so, it's a combination, but I would say it's mostly uh, it reds uh, that people drink. Uh, the Douro is the big region for that people know about. It's gorgeous, snaking river. The Alentejo is the biggest region. That's where they grow all the vegetables, the meat. That's where the cattle are. It's the farming region, and that's it's mm-hmm. warmer, and that's where you're we're getting. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and uh, their version of the the, uh, Tempranillo, the Spanish grape, they have a different name for it, Syrah. Um, That's really where a lot of the people who settle here, they find the Alentejo section and because it's got a bigger variety of grapes that can grow you know they just start picking that and it's grapes they may know about from home like oh Cabernet Sauvignon I know what that is Syrah I know what that is you know I'll give
0: that a shot
1: one of the things that we're doing this time that's unique is first of all we're not there which we were planning on actually being (laughs) there but we're not there so we're not doing this in person. This is one of the rare ones we're doing over Zoom. But I'll
0: be but, but I'll be in Portugal later this year. I'm going in October. I can't wait. I got to get some I'll good tips. But me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ken, sorry, that,
0: I didn't mean to no. interrupt. Go okay. ahead.
1: So but we're so we're all drinking something different. So at the end yep. we will go through what we're drinking and we'll talk about it. But uh, yeah. so Don, why don't you start us off before we get into the the international component? Just what? When did you retire? What was your thought process going into it? What were you doing before it?
2: Yeah, start with the so start, I retired the start, start. Uh, almost three years ago. I was living in Atlanta at the time. I had been in Atlanta for 30 some odd years, uh, longer than anywhere else. I was a product manager in the software world always uh, for the last probably 20 plus years, mobile devices. So, before they were new and cool and hard to do, I got involved in that stuff. And then that's really where I focused through, you know, really big software companies. And then finally ended up in a a company that eventually was based in Atlanta that was involved in uh, banking, retail and hospitality restaurants, software Uh And it was like finding CompuServe again, too. And 30, 40 years ago, they were one of the first CompuServe customers, as uh, Ken and I go back to to those days. So that's what I was doing. We had decided in a few years before to move somewhere to Europe, probably Spain, because we kept living there. We lived for three months one summer in a little village in Spain and said, as an experiment, like, yep, we can do this. Uh, don't miss my house. Don't miss any of the stuff there. Out of don't miss your town. kids? Miss Well, my kids were with us. My daughter uh. was in Madrid doing study abroad for the summer, and my son was in Granada taking Spanish class uh, 90 minutes away from us. And we said, you know what? We'll do work abroad. Uh, but it worked. It, it made the cut, and we were able to tune into what we want and don't want. So then we said, okay, Spain's it. For an Americans, we hear a lot. It's Spanish. It's kind of an easier language. It's warm. And we said, we'll go. And then pick out. We went the next year. My wife had a conference in Malaga, and we extended that to look at Couple more cities. We didn't want Madrid or Barcelona. We wanted something like the Valencia size, and that was it. Came back to the U.S. Intensive Spanish classes. Start applying. Look at the requirements for the visa. And then a co-worker of hers said, uh, "Have you thought about Portugal? Because uh, it's easier. Portuguese. The Portuguese." country is more open to immigrants from especially U.S., Canada, etc., and we said, well, that's interesting because while we were living for a summer in in Spain, we came over here for a week, um, and it was the night and day. I mean, it's the same peninsula, but the Portuguese people are just very friendly. I remember I, the analogy is you try to make chit chat in the cab in madrid and i know some words in spanish it's not like they have no idea what i'm saying but they don't become your friend to talk about things that quickly we get in a cab in porto to go out to a restaurant a seafood restaurant uh we're talking the whole way, he's talking about sailboats, we're talking about <laughs> the cab driver, we get out, in English, that's the other thing about Portugal, is the highest percent of second language uh, knowers, people who know it in Europe, he gets out, and I thought, why is he getting out, I don't need him to open the door, he's getting out because he's giving each of us a hug. We'd never met him.
0: <laughs> I thought I, you would say he was going to come in and let you buy him dinner or something, something I like said, that.
2: <laughs> I said, so that describes uh, the Portuguese people. Uh, uh, and being here, it just go. it's like at first we're just blown away and you ask, and the Portuguese look at you like, don't you do that in your, don't you take care of each other and like each other where you come from? This is a, yeah, Americans and Canadians are like, right? kind of not anymore, but it's, a, <laughs> yeah. do you read the news? So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was actually lived here as a small child in Portugal for
0: okay. three or
2: four months. My dad was an engineer. He traveled around the world. We came with him once we came here. It, As a five-year-old, it really changed my outlook on life. I had never been abroad. I had never seen the ocean, never seen a castle, of course, never seen eating sardines. I ate those as a five-year-old and loved them. And I looked at my wife. I said, of course. Like the six-year-old me wants to know why it's taken so long to come back. So we start the process. Then COVID happens. And we have everything done, but the final requirement is a one-year registered lease or home purchase to get the visa. And we can't go visit any place. We have to like look online, and uh, we finally found this place in Nazare, and we're done. And it was COVID, so not a lot of applications, but we got approved in five days, Five days later, I get an email, and I started to cry. I said, "We were That's there." Crazy. Yeah, it's like the second time. is like a few months before the financial planners ran the numbers in front of us, and it's like you can do it. I go, "Oh my God! I worked my whole life. I never thought I could do this. I can <laughs> do
0: it." That's all. Well, I mean, there's a million questions about Portugal and how you got there, but. Like for someone who's never like permanently moved to another country, like what is the process, right? You talked about the final piece being five Mm -hmm. days, but what is the process to apply to do something like that specifically for Portugal, maybe just to keep it simple. So
2: so Portugal's requirements are pretty, there's a standard application for a a permanent stay visa. It's called a D7 and it's Schengen. So it's the EU plus. Switzerland, uh, Norway, Sweden, or Sweden's in, but Norway, you know, not in, but they're part. And so they share in a process to make it common. Okay. And so it's financial, you know, where's your month? How are you going to support yourself? Do you have a job? Right. And you have to prove it. Uh, do you have money? You got to prove it with statements, bank statements. You have to have an FBI background check, sealed And at the time, like, open it, you got to go do it again, because they want to make sure it's unaltered FBI background uh, requirements. Uh, You have to fill out the application, you have to write a paragraph. Why do hope- you want to live in Portugal? And so I put well, in. There goes
0: Ken. He can't even write a single paragraph. Like, he's so excluded. I put,
2: I put my story of being here at, that, was at the end when I was five. But I started with, we've traveled abroad. We've been right. all around the world. We've spent a lot of time. We actually lived you know, in Spain for a few uh, a few months to get an idea to let them know, I think we'll be successful uh, right. no, not to worry. And it sounds
1: like the college essay, right? It it is, sounds it. like' you're like you put so much into it so. You wonder if they even read it, or they just like. Is yes, there an wants
0: app- to you know if there's an application fee here too, or not. Is there like a 50 fifty euro application fee or something I think like that? There is. I think yeah. it
2: is, and it's in euros, even though you mail it to the embassy, the Portuguese embassy in Washington, and the price fluctuates daily. Right. Right. And they can't make a refund, and they want to make sure it comes out right. So it's like, oh, That's geez. Too funny. So there is a process, and for each country, you can find out through Googling it and, and Facebook groups can help. And that's what helped us is a Facebook group for Portugal that really had, they get feedback from people to change and update their spreadsheets, if you will. So that was basically, you know, that's you kind of follow it and you have to understand that uh, they're getting thousands and thousands. At, our t- at the time we did it, it wasn't as many. Um, you want to stand out you want to be organized like color coded you want to make it easy easy peasy for them to go through the checklist did they give everything yep let me look at it is it there i converted your dollars to euros so they didn't have to do it i had a summary sheet for things you know me (laughs) like this needs to be smooth sailing
1: (laughs) don going back to your coffee serve
2: days Right.
1: <laughs> that I would expect nothing less from you. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, Think of it as a uh, the proposal, right? You know, yeah. you know, you gotta. You're trying to close it. You want to do this, situation, desired situation.
1: Desired situation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The Ducci way. Yeah. But uh, so, so that.
2: I, I, yeah. And I, oh, and they say mail it. So this is COVID. I I'm not mailing anything. I FedEx it because Ken knows my loyalty to FedEx. That's and right. <laughs> um, it doesn't move. Like three days, four days. I go, what the heck? I'm calling FedEx and nope, not getting through. I finally called you know, Beth. I was like, well, can you do anything? Do you still know anyone? <laughs> my package is lost. This is the most important package I've ever sent. Called since. the my, CEO I, probably. Yeah. And she's like, oh, there's a big ice storm in Washington, D.C. Everything's backed up. No one can get any. Uh, OK, OK. Ice storm. But finally it happens. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so, Don, if you if you could back up even further for me, because okay. the concept of moving overseas, it sounds exciting, mm-hmm. but it's like,
0: I don't know if the word's scary for me, but it's... I was going to say, that was the word I would guess, Ken, would say, scary. Yeah,
1: I just, like, yeah. that's it's overwhelming. Like, I just moved to Phoenix from Atlanta, and that was sort of overwhelming for me. But to move to another country?
2: Yeah. So there were times in this, I was completely overwhelmed and felt defeated. You know, you're adding a language difference, a culture yeah difference. You're adding time zones. You're adding everything. Um, so we wanted to live in Europe. We kept traveling here and we didn't want to come home. And like I said, we tried it for a summer to see kind of what it would be like. And we said we can do it. It was really, um, You know, we wanted to do it. Uh, And I understand people, like, we'd tell neighbors and friends, where are you moving to? Portugal. And it'd take them a second. Like, (laughs) the delay is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) When I called my boss to say, "Uh, I'm I'm quitting because I'm retiring and I'm moving to Portugal, he said, I've never heard those three things. (laughs) 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 I'm. So, but, um, but we wanted, we like the, the culture of the family, the ta- being around the table. We like walking, not driving. We like uh, the foods, the wines. And it was just, I want to be there all the time. I don't want to have to fly back to Atlanta and then organize another trip. Our kids were out of the house. And we thought, you know, you know, our daughter lived in, you know, a few miles away in Buckhead, but we wouldn't see her for a month or two. It's like, so we might as well be somewhere else while we can. So that was part of it. Right. As you get older, your choices can get limited by mobility, health issues. We're healthy while we're healthy, while the windows open you know, before there's grandkids or whatever, let's do it. Let's go. And we would look at each other once in a while. Are are we out of our minds? Are we really? Because no one else is doing this that we know. Uh, Yeah. So it is scary, but it really was this project that by God, I was going to see it through. And, uh, you know, even after you get here, then it becomes, like I said, the language requirements, the bureaucracy. Oh, you think Portuguese? French bureaucracy? Yeah. Oh, no, the Portuguese, <laughs> the French have nothing on them. Love them, but stamping pieces of paper. They Do you speak it.
0: Portuguese now?
2: I am learning Portuguese. It is uh, most Portuguese will tell you, oh, it's an impossible learn- language to learn. It's so hard. I said, but you learned it. The the little girl next door, was four years old at the time. She learned it. So I don't want to hear it. it's hard. And I have a friend who said, do not let that thought that it's hard enter your brain. That you, in life, you're not going to make any progress once you put that thought in your head that it's uh, hard. I'm learning Portuguese. You can live in a lot of places in Portugal uh, and speak English. They have the highest percent of English speakers. Uh, They also speak Spanish and French pretty fluently, a lot of them, Um, and it is difficult. It is ranked as one of the more difficult languages to learn. It makes it easier for them to learn other languages is kind of the way that works. But I'm learning because I don't wanna be Two things, that guy, that American, that foreigner, that whatever. Who can't. You don't want
0: to yeah, be a yeah, kid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's enough foreigners moving in uh, and the locals, you know, it's not, it's just not polite. You need to learn some words and I need, I want to learn more. Then the second is, I really want to talk to them and hear what they're saying about the world, life, the food, what I really, I feel like that's beyond me and it's isolating for that reason. There's tons of expats here and the common language of expats, which is good for Americans and Canadians is English, right? Right. They know that not everyone, no one learns Swedish in the world. No one. So they learn English. And the same with the French and not well. Yeah, they know they need to learn English to get around the world. It's the common language of business. Yeah. yeah.
0: And how long have you been there now, Don?
2: We uh, are coming up on three years. Three, three year, years. We we got on the airplane on Cinco de Mayo in two thousand twenty one. Couldn't have a beer or a taco because every all the restaurants in the airport were closed. So right. <laughs> So, so,
1: we 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 now know like your pers- perspective on them and how welcoming they were, and it's a great yeah. story about the cab driver. What do you think their perspective on on you is, moving there and and not not speaking their language, um, and and their perspective, I guess, on Americans that are coming there?
2: Um, it depends uh, on what business they're in. So a lot of the there are many of the younger people, the people who are in the hospitality business, the people who are in real estate, the people who are in building houses, the people who teach language, second language, English, they know this is good, it brings new money in, brings new people in, and this can work. Um, there is a lot of resentment now um, with foreigners in general. They blame the Americans, but the, the Brazilians are still, like, by far. No one touches, in terms of numbers, the number of Brazilians that moved to Portugal because they got the language almost. Right, no
1: language barrier, but, right. Yeah,
2: so you'll once in a while you'll run into people who just don't, they're having a bad day and they don't, they see a foreigner, hear a foreigner, and they don't like it. In general, uh, Portugal is opened they opened up the world in the early 15th century. They were the first explorers. They are used to, from that time on, people from other countries walking around Lisbon and the bigger cities. That was just part of their world, right? They, they were the first to get to India from Europe. They were the first to get to Japan and China. Um, so they're kind of used to that part of it. Um, they... And it, um, you know, so it it kind of varies, but I would say in general they still are. Uh, and in Nazaré, where I am, it's about fifteen thousand full time people. It doubles in July and August because it's tourists, uh, mostly from France and Spain and other parts of Portugal. They're they're once again they're used to it, like. People from France have been coming here for 200 years for vacation. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. I'd say, and for the most part, there's, yeah, everyone's fine. Um, here, they under, in smaller towns, you're gonna have a whole different perspective. In Lisbon, and Porto, and Coimbra, the three bigger cities, you'll just disappear into the word work for sure. Like they. They don't even bother.
0: So what's a day in the life? Like, give, give us a day. Well, so, uh,
2: you know, the thing about moving abroad is it's, it's kind of, a, and talking to other people who move from Germany or Sweden or wherever, it's kind of a reset button. You're allowed to be who you want to be here, because you're, you're not bringing your friends and family with you. So, people go through a little bit of uh, you know Casablanca movie kind of reset. Uh, we all hang out uh, at beginning. We all drank too much. We're out too late. Um, but you can do what you want to do. So, you know, and I may have been doing this stuff in Atlanta, so I'll preface it with that. <laughs> but i'm I'm as busy now than I was working. Almost as busy. I do have the the luxury of limiting it, but it's things I want to do, and so that's a beautiful thing of retirement. It takes a little while to figure some of this out, but once you kind of hit the stride and you get some feedback, you give yourself feedback. It's like, oh, yeah, I've always wanted, or I never knew. So I stay. We stay busy then there's not and some days it's like you know it's too much can't say no to things uh we have some friends that are they're retired from another country in northern europe and they joke they go we have a two activity a day limit we're retired we want to have fun not stressed out of getting from one thing to the other so i, I take two portuguese classes a week you know, okay. I go to one on Thursday, one Zoom on Tuesday because I'm kind of at the level where I think a big push I can get over and be conversational. I, uh, I go to a, the senior university. Every town has something called the senior university where for five euros a month, you can take classes in pottery, poetry, ceramics all in portuguese mostly in portuguese ceramics they do but i take a music class i learned to play this little tiny instrument that was the ancestor of the ukulele called the cavaquinho right i am the two things the only person that they've never met because they all started kindergarten together some of them are cousins they've known each other and they're my <laughs> mid-60s this stranger walks in and it's all in Portuguese. Right. There's one guy who knows some English who sits next <laughs> to me. It's all, and that's, I knew that going in, because I thought, okay, I'm going to hear Portuguese. I know how to play instruments, and this will help me learn it and have some fun, meet some, and it's, it's all of that. I come back as like, you know, I look up, like I'm, and I look up, and they're all staring at me. What's the American doing? And a yeah. couple weeks a couple of weeks ago, I'm playing and singing these folk songs that they would all know, right? From the time, and I hear, stop, 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 That's stop is stop for Portuguese for stop. They use the same word, thank God. And usually it's me, Don, Don, Don. No, he said uh, in Portuguese, Don speaks English. He's singing the song in Portuguese. And they're all like, ah. He's singing in Portuguese, and they then we start again, and now they're singing louder and with more enthusiasm. I got home, I go, they heard me singing in Portuguese. <laughs> so, so anyhow, I do that uh, exercise, run. You know, it's a very you can we can spend weeks without getting in the car, pretty much walk to everything, buy the groceries. You know, I'm leaving some things out, but uh, it's it, it's it's pretty amazing, kind of the the stuff that we do. It's we've it's been, and then the friends we've met. so we were looking to buy a house. We started when we got here we were renting and couldn't find anything. And we've made so many friends, all expats, pretty much. And we're like, I don't want to leave. Like, I like these people and I want to hang out here. So there's social events and that's, you know, all that. We have carnival starting, but I'm leaving some things out. But, you know, then there's the day-to-day stuff like moving money and crap like that. You still got to clean the house. Right. You still got to get new tires on the car. You still got to go to the grocery. That's well, the difference between vacation and retired. You still got to do some things. But
0: well, well, you know, Ken's dying to know one thing about daily life there. If you have to go to one place for lunch, what is your go to lunch place? And what do you have for lunch there?
2: My go to lunch place? ah, uh, It's there's probably a couple places, but I would say I would go to the Alleluia, which is on right on the. It's called the Marginal, but they have a road along the ocean, the the harbor. Right. And there's it's just one side is buildings and cafes, and the other side is beach. And they have it's grilled fish. And you know, if you're gonna sit at a place next to the ocean, you know what they do pretty good fish yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so and and we you know we know the owner we've gotten to know them the waiters he keeps the same waiters for a long time which in any place in the world is not common so you got to be doing something right and uh it's just every time i go in it's great and it's you know we think it gets expensive because we've seen the inflation happen but People who come straight from the U.S. go and they go, really, this is it for all of us. You know, (laughs) it's pretty cheap. So, you know, I would say that it it tends to be not a lot of sandwiches because it's a culture where lunch, a lot of days is the big meal of the day. That's really where they sit down for an hour, two hours for lunch on a Wednesday uh, or whenever. Right. I like that. That's
1: culture. I could get used to that. Like
2: dinner might be something like a snack at home or a little something, but as uh, long as
0: it's not sardines, I don't think Ken's going for sardines. I don't think that's going to be at the top of his.
2: You're thinking canned sardines. You got to get. The no, I
0: don't think he's going to eat day. sardines, period. I'm guessing. I'm just uh, that's ah. my gut feel here.
2: So, so
1: Don, let me ask you this from a marriage perspective. You and Carla go there and you're sort of thrown together because you both speak English, right? And you're trying to figure it out. But over time, you know, are you sort of living
2: your own lives now or are you doing everything together? We live our own lives. Um, We do in terms of because she does ceramics, watercolor. I never knew she was interested in stuff like that. She does amazing stuff. So I would say, you know, a lot, of part, a lot of it is during the day, just like the work day. Instead of work, you have things you want to do, and that's what she wants to do. We do some things together, like uh, we have an exercise, a therapist who comes once a week on Thursday mornings, this morning. It's an hour of yoga, running, walking, balance. She kind of knows what we need. So we do that together. We go for a walk, uh, you know, a couple days a week, I would say, because the ocean and the beach is right there. Uh, And it's not a flat, you know, it's the western side of most continents. It's cliffs, and so it's strenuous up and down. Um, Weekends, we find things to do together. It's social. So, yeah, I'd say at first, because of the scariness of it, like getting in the car, you know, driving somewhere, interacting, it's like yeah, we'll just go together. So, and there's still ours things we we do to get to, to together, but now we've been able to find our own needs and kind of what we want to do, hobbies, activities, and uh, find space and time for those, and then come together she's got uh you know there's women's groups that have formed that she gets involved with and that's fine you know uh, i'm glad they do it and then i got a couple friends and we hang out and uh you, you know i'm in a band so i do that and she can she can be the groupie it's uh <laughs> yeah
1: i just Sounds good. I don't know if it was me and i'm going to say probably jason too i know his his wife very well but i know at least in my world i couldn't go to a place where we were thrown together too much i mean we would you know we wouldn't one wouldn't end up coming out okay
2: well you know it it is so it's a big adventure it is scary it is all of those things it's a different world and um Especially at the beginning, like uh, we had to really help each other out. And she was working, so she came over and kept working. She went right, to set up the laptop, boom, she's working. And I'm out doing all the bureaucracy and the shop. I'm the one who learns how to go to the grocery store and the markets. And she one morning, she's like, Why? where are you going so early? It's like 8.30 or 8.00. I go. I'm going to get bread. She said, "Why do you have to go so early?" I said, "Because when they run out, they run out. This is not America." And I said, "On Wednesdays they got the cornbread." And last time, these old ladies who look so innocent, they throw you some elbows to push you back in line. And, you know, it's like they're tough. They nice. see they want the bread too. But That's no, it, I I think it it's it's helped to go through an experience that is. You know, it's not like bungee jumping or stuff like that. But, you know, these common experiences and we we do still travel around. We travel mostly in Europe and uh, I think it's helped. But, yeah, you've got to have your own space, too.
1: Right. And I just have one more question about about Portugal. Like, how did you choose Nazare. I don't know if I said it right.
2: Yeah, Nazareth It's it's Nazareth. It's named, they're, they're very Catholic, and they name it everything after that. We chose it because we kept looking for apartments to live in to get a one-year lease, and Carla was still working, and, and it was COVID. She wanted a view. She wanted a view, and we said, all right, there's a big coastline. We'll look, see what we find, and this was the place where the person that owned the apartment reached back out to us and really worked and then I googled Nazaré Portugal and saw this video of this guy it said someone was surfing on this giant dark wave and I finally see this little streak i said holy crap it's like a hundred almost a hundred foot wave and this guy's coming down and and then we started to look around, like nowadays you can use Google Maps, like how far is it to here, what's around, all that, and that was it. So that's how we got here. And then once we got here, it's an ocean town, uh, summers, people go to the beach. And then in the winters, November through uh, February, It turns into a surfing capital of the world where these people go out on, we haven't had huge waves last year and this year, but you go out and watch with some days, like four or 5,000 people around the fort, and it creates this natural amphitheater because it curves and you're watching these people surf, get on these waves, and you think they've been swallowed you see the cat, the top come over them and they disappear, and then they shoot out the other sides, and the whole crowd erupts. So <laughs> it's exciting, and year round, you know, the Nazare Canyon kind of brings this cool energy. So I, I like it. So once we got here, it's like, oh yeah, this is really nice. I hate the crowds, but they're coming for the same reason. I want to live here. It's a uh, beautiful energy got the ocean, got the beach, got these this ancient old town that keeps the traditions. Uh, yeah, and every once in a while it gets crowded and crazy people go out on waves that are just, look like they're impossible to surf. And uh, yeah, so that's it. That was, it kind of chose us, I think, yeah. You sold Jason?
0: Yeah, I love I love this idea. Uh, As you know, we're going to go we're going to live in Paris for a month in uh, in April to kind of check out how we like living abroad. I've certainly worked abroad and spent I spent six months in Brazil living in Brazil. um, Yeah once before so i i would love to do it and i've never been to portugal yet so i probably need to do go there first before i would commit to portugal but i love the idea of living and living abroad Uh, i think it'd be super fun
2: well good glad i glad i could help out and rattle on about you know where i am and how we got there there's a million details and you know you do them when you need to do them like any project and then you got it done and Go. You remember why you come and go enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Well, we should probably get to the toast, do a toast, Ken, on uh, on living the good life.
1: So who are we toasting to, Jason?
0: Well, I think with the recent news that we've gotten, there's only one person that we could be toasting to. And Don, you may have lost touch a little bit about this, but uh, in the college football world, in my opinion, there is a single goat uh, of a coach, and that is... Nick Saban who announced his retirement from University of Alabama and so we we're, we're doing a, t- a toast to Nick Saban today who's recently retired. I mean for me he's the goat. What do you guys think? And I I'll go through some stats here in a sec but just real quick, goat or not goat for Nick Saban college football coach?
2: I'd say goat as much as I didn't like uh when he played my daughter's alumni at Auburn and he had George's number forever, he had everyone's mm-hmm. number, and you got to remember he did it at LSU and he did it other places before. He was he churned them out, baby, you know. So, I gotta say, I would say goat, yeah,
1: okay, and, and I'll jump on the bandwagon and say goat. I think the coolest thing that he's done, not being an Alabama fan, but you look at it as, as they say, the coaching tree. And you look at Kirby and other people that are yeah. just super successful. So he's creating other leaders like him. And I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. I'm just going to give you some fun facts on here. Seven national championships, you know, most of all time, he won six in like 11 years in Alabama. I mean, it's unbelievable. Only per only coach to win at two different schools, the national championship, he and bear Bryant are the only two of won sec championships, even at two different schools. Um, You know, and I think this is a a crazy, amazing stat that I heard, which is at Alabama, he has had more NFL first round draft picks than he has had losses in his entire career at alabama 44 first round draft picks not counting this year which he will certainly have you know at least one oh, or yeah. two more and only 29 losses in his career at alabama which is
2: 29 just, in his career that was his loss it's amazing
0: so just unbelievable crazy and then ken just one other point on on your note this coaching tree i did find an interesting uh Miss he had on a coaching tree when he got his first head coaching job, which was at Toledo, there was a rather future successful guy who really wanted to be on the staff with him at Toledo and said, I will take any coaching position you will give me. I I just want to break into the business and and Saban turned it down he ended up being Urban Meyer who has ended up doing pretty well wow. as well. So, not he doesn't have a perfect track record of selecting the right guys, but he's done pretty well.
1: Interesting, interesting story. Well, here's to coach Saban. Yeah, and, uh, cheers. So, we're all drinking something different, Don. What are you what are you what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking a uh Alentejo red. It's a mix of uh Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, Aragonese and Alicante Boucher, So, the Portuguese do like to mix up their wines So you a said
1: price, price is uh, a, a you know a good thing for them, like inexpensive. What is uh, what does a bottle cost you?
2: Less, uh, probably four euros. Like uh, you know, when you get <laughs> to four to five euros a bottle, you're that's a special occasion almost. Wow. Seriously, ten to twenty like i i know people who won't even go there anymore i said in the in the us 30 30 was like an average 20 to 30 that was my yeah, range they crazy. lock that 20 euros it's in it's like in a special case here
0: <laughs> nice ken what, what do you got Jason? i have got a taylor Fladgate 20 year old tawny port um, I'm a big tawny pork drinker, Uh, love it with dessert or cheese or something like that. I just think it's a a great kind of after dinner, nice sipping drink, goes really well with a lot of different cheeses, with chocolate, everything. So uh, I'm drinking this one. This one is, I've had this before, super smooth, really delicious. And I don't know. Taylor Fladgate is one of the, I think the big brands, I don't know It is. How, yeah, in the U.S. it's one you see relatively yep. frequently, and I don't know if it's common there too, but it's, it's a mm-hmm. good one and it's pretty accessible. Yeah. It's probably a, $2 there, but like $50 here in the States.
1: And I've, I've got a, a W and J grams, six grapes, oh, yeah. reserve Porto. And uh, so I'll tell you, I, you know, I guess I haven't had a port before. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't sweet. know that it was any different than yeah. a regular bottle of wine. We actually started it last night and had a friend over. And, uh, I'm a am a low sophistication wine drinker. I enjoy it, but I don't know what I'm doing. And he's even below me. Okay. So, uh, we were both like, what the hell is this? You know, it's, 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 it's so then I Googled it and it's supposed to be super sweet and yeah it's stronger a And, uh, wine. Yeah. So now I'm actually enjoying it, even though it's 10 o'clock in the morning here. Um, it's very tasty, very rich. And uh, but just if you're not expecting it and don't know what you're doing, um, it's a different experience it, than it, a typical red wine. Yeah,
0: 100 yeah, percent. Have it with a little cheese, a little little dessert with your lunch today. Can do that. I'm, about to, to
1: I'm about to head to the gym. So probably uh, after that, <laughs> maybe not that. good warm up uh, stuff, but yeah.
0: Uh, it is it. what it
1: is. You got You got to do it for the. You got to do it for the podcast, right?
0: There you go. Exactly. All right, exactly. Jason, take us away. Well, first of all, Don, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great to have you as a guest. Uh, absolutely loved hearing the story. You're an inspiration for all of us of those of us who have thought about maybe retiring abroad. You've made it happen, which is awesome. So I'll just finish with. Don't forget, all our listeners out there, like, share, tell your friends about the podcast. If each one of you can tell one new person, one new friend about the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, give us some ideas and topics on things you'd like us to talk about, drinks you'd like us to try. We'd love to hear about some of your favorite drinks. And did I mention to share, like, tell your friends? And if you want to reach us, we're at what's next with jnk at gmail.com.
2: Cool, love chatting with you guys.